Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. After you swallow the COVID relief plan, uh, President Biden is going to have a second uh, package. You're laughing, but a second uh, package, uh, maybe even bigger, probably focused on infrastructure and energy, climate. climate. Those what are all is- good. That's all good. But I'm not going to do it through reconciliation. If my Democrats have bought on, my fellow Democrats have bought on that you have no Republican friends that will work in a reasonable manner, I don't subscribe to that, and I am not going to get on a bill that cuts them out completely before we try to make something So you're going to insist on 60 votes? To get on to reconciliation, you have to vote to proceed. I have told them I will not vote to proceed until we try. So that's um, Senator Manchin on the Axios News program, which is on HBO on Sundays. They're trying to take on 60 Minutes, and I didn't find any of the stories on 60 Minutes compelling last night. And mm-hmm. they interviewed Lindsey Graham and Manchin, and both of those sound like compelling stories. Anyway, he said he's not doing this reconciliation thing again. They gotta, they gotta find a way to get Republicans on board. Oh, okay, I, I appreciate that, but you said you weren't going to sign on to this giant stimulus package if it was uh, not bipartisan, and it's one of the biggest things that's ever happened in our nation's history, and it is going to be Democrats only, and it is going, it is passed, and it will be signed this week. This might seem like a really minor point. But I noticed even even Jonathan Swan of Axios, who I think is a terrific reporter and writer, uh, he called it the COVID relief bill when it's not a COVID relief bill. And too often we on the right let the left dictate what words are used, and especially in a drive-by world where nobody digs deep into this stuff. Everybody's just living their life or they don't care. The words matter a lot. Anyway, I want to get to this. We, We were talking last hour about how there's so much stuff in this $2 trillion package that's got nothing to do with the check you're going to get. You know, I'm not even arguing against the check. I don't know what the right size is to what people, but I don't even need to get into that topic because it's such a small amount of the whole thing. That ended up being the only discussion. Look, people need checks. I want a check. Polls show <laughs> people want the stimulus to go through. Okay, but they're only talking about the check, not the rest of it, which the most of it is all these other things, including this one. In the stimulus bill, a policy revolution in aid for children. Reading from the New York Times. Not exactly a right-wing newspaper. The package moving through Congress advances an idea that Democrats have been nurturing for decades. A guaranteed income for families with children. It's a policy revolution. Bernie Sanders said over the weekend this is the most progressive piece of legislature in his lifetime. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a big deal. Nope, nobody's paying any attention. Anyway, back to this article in the New York Times. Obscured by other parts of President Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus package, which won Senate approval on Saturday, the child benefit has the makings of a policy revolution. Though framed in technocratic terms as an expansion of an existing tax credit, it is essentially a guaranteed income for families with children akin to uh, blah, 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 blah. The... um. Uh, The plan establishes the benefit for a single year, but if it becomes permanent, as all Democrats intend, it will greatly enlarge the safety net for the poor and the middle class at a time when the volatile modern economy often leaves families moving between those groups. More than 93% of children, 69 million, would receive benefits under the plan at a one-year cost of more than $100 billion. And again, they intend to make this permanent, and I'm sure they will. 93% of children are going to get you know, their families are going to get a check out of this deal. And probably that, forever, because entitlements don't go away. 
That is such a fundamental remaking of the idea of who gets government money. That's what the Everybody New York Times does is saying. All the this, time. this is a fundamental change in the way we structure families and the government and the safety net. This is huge, and nobody's discussing it. Mr. And Biden's embrace of the subsidies is a leftward shift for a Democratic Party that made deep cuts in cash aid in the 90s under the theme of ending welfare. As a senator, Mr. Biden supported the 96 welfare restrictions. Democrats are in the position to act enact it only because they won Georgia's two Senate seats in a runoff. I like them throwing that in there to the argument. If if Republicans could have had won even one of those, this thing does not pass. You do not completely remake a giant part of the safety net. All these different things do not happen if they could have picked up even one of those seats. But that's a separate conversation. This is worth looking back at. It was a Democratic president, Bill Clinton, who abolished the entitlements to cash aid for poor families with children. The landmark law he signed in 1996, and Joe Biden signed it too, created time limits and work requirements and caused an exodus from the welfare rolls. Spending on the poor continued to grow, but targeted low-wage workers with little protection for those who failed to find or keep jobs. That's the New York Times version of it. This will take all of that away and bring back all of the things that Bill Clinton undid in the 90s and more. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? Every Republican out there would vote for Bill Clinton for president right now in the current world that we live in. Oh, yeah, he's a conservative. Please. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm just my mind goes back once again to Daniel Patrick Moynihan's big report at the dawn of the 70s about the, the great society, the welfare state that LBJ had created, and what effect it was having. Because this, he was an old-school liberal who wanted to know whether his policies worked or not. And one of his major conclusions, one of the study's major conclusions, was that the welfare state that had been created was a huge, created, sorry, was a huge disincentive for couples to get married to raise their children together, and to keep their families intact. It was government, to a large extent, uh, taking the role of dads. And they saw the dissolution, in particular, of the urban black family. It was striking, because I read the same article uh, in the New York Times, that the gal who they used to illustrate the story at the beginning, they always begin with some sort of human interest story, hardworking, really admirable black woman with a couple of sons, I believe, a couple of kids. Um, and when the schools shut down unnecessarily and stayed closed, uh, she saw them just declining rapidly emotionally, educationally. She was afraid for her children. So she quit her job to, to take care of them, to make, to try to stop their slide downward. And, and she thought she'd get unemployment. She didn't. They, they got evicted, blah, blah, blah. Terrible story. Are we as a society just going to ignore the fact that if she had a husband, they would have had twice as many people to A, cover the children's needs, and B, work and bring in the income to keep the house over their head. We have put the government in place of the father in the American family, and it will be to our eternal peril and suffering. Nobody wants to talk about that. I will stop talking about that right now. But the New York Times glossed over that notion in about three and a half words and moved on. And everybody is not uh, her or like her. There are people, and uh, I guess we'll find out how many, there are people who are going to use this as a way to never have to work, or they the, the, the dollars might incentivize them not to work. If you add in all the various packages that you get, 
you might be better off not working. You know, whatever they call the welfare cliff, where you end up in a situation where you'd go backwards if you got a job unless it paid X dollars. Right. Right. You know, it's as hard to, to, to reach people on the other side of this. It's like I live in a world where the sun shines 24-7. They live in a world of dark. It's just hard for us to communicate. But the idea that lifelong dependence on the government is some beautiful gift, I just I can't imagine what you're thinking, how you see the world. How, how you see the, the very idea of working and earning money, and then the government takes it and gives it to who they think deserves it. I mean, if there's a tiny little bit of that, I think we've all learned to accept that. But they're fundamentally reordering who gets money. Now, everybody gets your money. We just put it in a pot, and we redistribute it no matter how hard you work or how little you work. The New York Times calls it a policy revolution, guaranteed income for families with children. It's a major deal. It's the sort of thing that should be its own piece of legislation that was fought back and forth and cable news shows and op-ed pieces and think tanks and wrangling in our legislature for for six months or a year, or years. It's a, it's one of those kind of big deals. It got jammed in here. Most people have no clue. Uh, uh, not 1% of, of America knows that this is part of the thing, and it's just getting passed under the guise of COVID relief. Right, right. This is no way to run a country. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. And the media is at fault, too. Absolutely. Sure. It's, it's as if... frustrating. Uh, uh, you know, a picture of the mailbox in front of your house. Maybe it's attached to your house or whatever. It's as if you bought your house, but continually referred to it as buying a mailbox. You just continually refer to this enormous purchase by a tiny percentage of it. We needed a mailbox. How are we going to receive mail without a mailbox? Do we all agree we need a mailbox? Obviously, well, yes, we need a mailbox. A I vote mailbox. yes for a mailbox. How would we function without a mailbox? Come all right. Through. Here's $750,000 for a mailbox. And by the way, a house, any art. It's just, I don't know. It's no way to run a country. Property taxes that come with it in the house payment. Well, yeah, exactly. That's a good point. We're borrowing to buy the mailbox. So the mailbox purchasing aid has passed, and we now have a mailbox. Yay! And a a house. Even Fox News using that same verbiage. It's wild. I don't, like I said, I don't know, I don't know where to go with it on, on some, some sort of level of acceptance and therapy and seeing a minister or something. It's just, it's just happening. Buying gold. It's just, (laughs) or alpacas or something. I don't know. Dang it. How the heck did this possibly happen? Of course, the Republican party did a horrible job of making it clear what's in this. I didn't hear this from any Republicans that were, I didn't hear it from Kevin McCarthy. I didn't hear it from anybody. It was, you know, the Republican party screaming. I, I learned it in the New York Times. Um, and Fox News didn't point this out. Um, obviously, you're not going to hear it on NBC or Meet the Press or anything like that. But God, it's just so frustrating. Yeah. The amount well, of stuff uh, is in here. And then I'm looking up at uh, Good Morning America. Funding for schools, vaccines, state and local governments are in the relief package. Oh, okay, well, I'm for that. So all those state and local governments that uh, reached unholy deals with public employee unions that put them on the hook for pensions they could never afford for years and years and years, you are going to bail. Well, your children and grandchildren are going to bail them out, as one of our emailers put it. Do we hate our grandchildren in this country? And the schools have already gotten so much money they haven't even touched it. And you don't need that much more money to open anyway. It's all a scam. The whole freaking thing's a scam. God dang it. It's going to make me crazy. I want to hear Oprah saying what 150 times today, Michael. <laughs> All right? What? 
What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? We'll have to revisit what? that later. <laughs> what? When Megan right. uh, dropped the brown baby uh, bomb on, on Oprah. What? What? We've got a lot more on the way. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A foolproof way to getting a free drink and a free snack. In order for this to work, you have to go into the cafe. So what you're going to do is you're going to go to the barista and ask to do a coffee tasting with them. They're going to prepare whatever pastry you want with whatever coffee you want. You guys are going to enjoy it together. They're going to love it. You're going to love it. It's going to be great. So that's a Starbucks employee explaining how you can get free coffee. You can request a tasting. There's no way they're going to love it. The employee. That's it. (laughs) A tasting? Seriously? All right. Yeah, um, a guy who makes my own coffee with a Keurig machine. So. Worldwide sand shortage might be our headline today. I haven't looked into the details of the story. I can't figure out how, what that even means. But they're not going to be able to make glass because we're going to run out of sand. I, I, my, my experience with beaches <laughs> has got me skeptical. Um, we also have this we need to get to at some point. Thieves. Uh, stole a 500-pound safe. Turned out to be filled with treasures, including a lock of Alexander Hamilton's hair. Alexander no. Hamilton's oh, hair. <laughs> wow. Which is very exciting. That's sure. Who wouldn't want some of that? Founding father's hair? There, There's some founding fathers. I'd love a lock of their hair. I'd hold it close to me at night. Oprah Winfrey made between seven and nine million dollars off of her interview with uh, Harry and Meghan. How? What? I don't know how. No, I I think, no, she paid a licensing fee of between seven and nine million. Hanson, did you lie to me? I'm just taking this information from executive producer and known liar, Mike Hanson. Congenital liar, please. (laughs) When his lips are moving, right? Okay, somebody made $9 million off the interview. Was it that watched? The amount of social media uh, mind share it got was high, but I never know how that translates to the real world. Well, it was. she got an exclusive sit-down interview with them and paid between 7 and $9 million bucks, according to the Wall Street Journal, for the licensing fees. Now, she can uh, sell that footage to whatever news channels want it around the world. Somebody asked uh, old uh, Prince What's-His-Head, Harry, and, and I respect him very much. Old Prince What's-His-Head. I just, <laughs> what's-his-face? Um, uh, what? And, and he said, no, we didn't get paid that. But somebody did. Somebody's making that money. And then uh, Oprah gets to sell it around the world. And apparently made a big dent. Got a lot of people's attention. Yep. Uh, We've got a fair amount of response about the segment we just did on the giant entitlement change that this $2 trillion package has in it. And a number of people are quite outraged at it. Yeah, you you, you learned it too late. We all learned it too late because it's already passed and it's going to be signed. So there you go. We're going to talk a little COVID coming up. The numbers continue to go down, which is really good news. I really think we're practically uh, done with this thing. Uh, China is uh, attacking Microsoft, among another, um, among a bunch of other countries, that we ought to get to that story. And I ate inside a restaurant for the first time in almost a year on Saturday night. It was Interesting. Weird. So did I. I was at yeah. a Chinese restaurant. I had sweet and sour pork, as I tweeted out. 
uh, the menu. <laughs> New listeners of the show, it's the only Chinese food Jack has ever eaten. Sweet and sour pork. Every single time he gets Chinese food, sweet and sour pork. Do you know, you know why? The, f- the first time I ever ate at a Chinese restaurant, that's what I got and I liked it. <laughs> so, old simple test. That's pretty much all I need to know. <laughs> my scale Boy. today. So my scale was so angry with me today. You know, like when you're when you're when you're um your parents, your teacher, your wife, anybody's so mad at you they don't even speak. I mean, like yes. you're used to like you know raising their voice, whatever they're angry. They're so disappointed in you they don't even talk. That's the way my scale was to me this morning. <laughs> That's the way you're interpreting it. When I got on the scale, it just all right. Okay, 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 that's that's fine. And what? Just what do walked, I weigh? They just walked away weigh? from me, and that's when you know you're really in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> when they're that mad, they don't, they just, they've given up on you. I'm not going to tell you what you weigh, all right? You just, I'm because so- my son had his birthday party at the, uh, at the paintball camp, and we had cake and ice cream. And then because my younger son, who's got obsessive-compulsive disorder, we, it was mandatory that we have the family normal birthday at home also. So then ah. we went home and had a family birthday mail and then cake again. So I did that twice in wow. one, in like a five-hour period. <laughs> wow. Two meals and cake twice. Like it's a nice week before cream. slaughter. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm being fattened up for uh, the Queen of England to slaughter me or something. I don't know. To tie all the stories together. Uh, where we are with COVID and a bunch of other updates on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I think the masks are the single biggest mistake because it was the easiest intervention that we could have reached for early to prevent spread. I think this was a real failure to detect all of the asymptomatic spread. We overestimated the role of fomites, of contaminated surfaces in spraying this virus because we weren't recognizing all the spread that was happening from asymptomatic individuals, because we weren't doing good tracking and tracing. We were using a flu model to detect COVID spread, and it wasn't applicable. So CDC was very slow to recognize this. If we had recognized earlier all the spread through asymptomatic transmission, and the fact that this is spreading not just through droplets, but also aerosolization in closed environments, we probably would have recommended masks and high-quality masks much earlier. So that was probably the single biggest mistake, Mm -hmm. largely because it was the single easiest intervention that we could have reached for early. Mm, that's interesting. That's Dr. Scott Gottlieb. Uh, so, but what, it sounds like what he's basically saying, we didn't know, and there was no way to know. So, I mean, if you could go back in time, the best thing that we could have done was... Is kill baby Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> After that, though, it's okay. the masks. <laughs> yeah. Um, part, partly not knowing, partly putting resources in the wrong places. Uh, the, you know, uh, the testing and tracing would have been great. Uh, partly, and, and come on, we all know this, they said don't get a mask to protect the supplies for yeah. frontline workers. Well, that was active dumbassedness. But uh, the other part, you know, we, we treated it like a flu and it wasn't a flu is what Gottlieb just said. And, you know, how are people supposed to know? Oh, we have some really good news about the vid coming up in a second or two, but I read something in the New York Times that I found really interesting. It was, it's the global health whodunit. Why is Africa, why are Africa and Asia doing so well in terms of deaths per capita? And why is that Toto song still so popular? That's another question. Why did Weezer remake it and like try to get it exactly the same? What's the point? What is the point? 
Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's kind of a global mystery about why those parts of the world are doing so well, uh, so much better than the industrialized world, although they think part of it is just that, um, number one, their people from the time of birth are exposed to a lot more germs because they're not obsessed with cleanliness like the uh, developed uh, Western world is. And the second thing is they just live outdoors more because it's warmer, so their windows are always open. Hmm. Um, but they think that it's probably several contributing causes. I just found that kind of interesting. But uh, one more Scott Gottlieb uh, clip. I, I like this one. Sean, it's 45, please. Just looking at nursing homes alone, um, if you look at overall deaths, they are declining. But of the deaths that are occurring, 13% right now are occurring in nursing homes. That's down from 40%. And so that's a real significant indication that the overall vulnerability of the most vulnerable people, those who are succumbing to COVID, is starting to decline quite dramatically as we get more of them vaccinated. Right now, this week, we're probably going to hit about 60% of those, uh, excuse me, 70% of those above the age of 75 are going to be vaccinated. 60% of those above the age of 65 fully almost 25% of adults are going to be vaccinated probably by the end of this week. So we're reducing the overall vulnerability of the population. So Scott Gottlieb tweeted those very numbers over the weekend, and I read them with interest, and he said we need to look at the vulnerability of a population in measuring risk, not only prevalence, sure. um, which is a good point. It, it's a fancy way of saying vaccinate the old, vaccinate the old, age, age, and age, as uh, Governor Justice of uh, West Virginia put it. Um, and then Marty McCary, who's a different doctor, retweeted Scott Gottlieb's tweet and commented, vaccinating older and vulnerable people First means deaths will plummet soon as cases linger among young people more likely to have asymptomatic infections or mild non-fatal disease. This week, 10 states had days with zero deaths and another 10 averaged less than five per day. Wow. Progress. Wow. Yeah, this thing is going to go off a cliff soon. Well, it's already going off a cliff, but that's fantastic. Man, I hope you're right. Some more uh, statistics you might find interesting in terms of vaccinations as of the end of last week. The seven-day average number of administered vaccine doses uh, per day was two million a day. Uh, Twenty-seven, uh, twenty-eight million people have received two doses already. Fifty-four million have received one or more doses and are mostly immune um, and less likely to to spread it. And those numbers again increasing by two million a day. I Hospital. talked to somebody yesterday yes. who uh, refuses to get the vaccine. Just something interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. Probably won't matter, honestly. No, probably won't. Uh, let's see. So the current seven-day average of new hospital admissions is uh, 5,500. That's down 15% from a week ago. That's great. That's a great number. Let's scroll down to deaths. Uh, the current seven-day average is 1,900, uh, that, which still is still high. a hell of a lot of hell of a lot of human beings. Yeah. Uh, but that is down almost 7% from the previous seven-day average. Fingers crossed. Let's hope that uh, continues. All the trends are moving in a great direction. I think I get my shot this week. i got to check my county. But, awesome. Um, yeah, I'm just just barely old enough, and <laughs> they're going to have to check my ID a couple of times, Jack, as you know, because I'm so young and vital looking. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm probably going to walk in there and going to say, "Hey, eighty-year-olds were last month. What do you? What? What do you? What, what now? <laughs> no, no way. I've lived a wild life. Cut me yeah, some look, slack. It's not the year; it's the mileage. Exactly. Huh? I'm a high mileage car. Huh? Anyway, um, good stuff. 
Governor Andrew Cuomo over the weekend said, there is no way I resign. I believe he said that before the fourth and fifth woman came forward accusing him of various things. Also, the Wall Street Journal story that came out on Friday in which more people in his inner circle said, yeah, we were on purpose fudging the numbers and hiding deaths. Uh, That's what he should get booted out of office did he drop any quotes from made-up people this time when he's uh, (laughs) discussing it um so uh yeah just for the record if if there are any space aliens or people living in a cave for the last 10 years who are trying to understand this yes he's going to be forced to resign not for killing old people and covering it up but for saying hey baby you want to go out sometime do you like keeping track yeah yeah i don't know I, i i i'm always I'm always hesitant, as I am right now, to talk about this because I'm afraid I'm going to come off as uh, the, the wrong kind of person, the person I don't want to be. But God dang it. The I'm an older man and I'd like to have sex with you. Is that do you just wilt under that? Is that the worst thing that ever happened to you? That woman called him a monster. Is that you a monster for that? Harvey Weinstein's a monster. I want Harvey Weinstein executed. Um, but. The the super, you know I'd rather I, I'd be really if you did that to my daughter I'd punch you in the face but exactly but yeah, he's still. a pig there's no doubt anyway yeah I, mm, I I have never done that I would not do that um, and I think he's a pig on the other hand I, I will tell you uh, in discussions with my daughters about this stuff I have certainly not advocated now if some older boss or person at your firm uh, says uh, would you like to go out sometime. You need to crumble completely. You need to fall apart emotionally, professionally. You need to uh, sue. You need, no, I've told him, no, say politely but firmly, uh, no, let's keep it to business. Establish boundaries, then uh, smile and move on with your day. If that doesn't work, then you have to escalate things. But So I see your point, uh, but he is clearly a pig, and he's oh, a yeah. bully, and he's oh, yeah. half a dozen kinds of jerk. Yeah, but he also... Ordered his staff to lie about the deaths of old people yes. just to protect himself when that could have saved the lives of elderly people all around the country to have that knowledge. That is a, like, go-to-prison crime. So how is that not the headline? I don't know. It's not. Yeah, I don't know. It's I the woke, woke I media. I can't fix the world. If I could, where would I start? Um... Uh, yeah, so this from the New York Post over the weekend. Are the Cuomo harassment allegations just political correctness? And I'll just read this paragraph. Somebody asking the question in an op-ed in the New York Post. I'm tired of the hop- the hypocrisy of calls for Governor Cuomo to step down because of allegations that he made a joke about eating a sausage or tried to kiss someone. If everyone who's ever made an off-color joke were fired, the unemployment line would extend around the globe. No one is accusing him of sexual assault or that they were fired for it. We're going. To, are we going too far with political correctness? That was their question. And I don't know if they're just trying to be provocative to get clicks. Well, yeah, I think the, the question is, or the answer rather, is unquestionably yes, we've gone too far with that stuff because corporations are terrified of being sued. So as always, we were actually chatting about this during the commercials, how everything flows from lawsuits and lawyers. And, and the need for us to cleanse every workplace of any man-woman stuff, or man-man or woman-woman, any sexual anything, 
is born of terror from lawsuits. It's not about, it's not primarily about a functioning, productive workplace or people being comfortable and getting their work done. It's about lawsuits. Well, the Me Too era has clearly cooled off a little bit. Now, I assume it's cooled off because people think we went too far. That's my assumption. Um, it's clearly cooled off in that what is being alleged against him, he would have already been run out of office if this were two years ago. I mean, without a doubt, he's way further down the line than a lot of people that lost their jobs or careers. Mm-hmm. So it's cooled off somewhat. And I, 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 like I said, I assume it's because people think we went a little too far. Oh, by the way, so I mocked the fact that a reporter asked him, Last week, did you take the sexual harassment training? And I thought that was such a stupid question because I thought, whatever the answer is, it's dumb. If he says, yes, I took it, then what? If he says, no, I didn't take it, then you're assuming that if he had, that would have made a difference. But anyway, apparently, this reporter knew that he did not take the mandated sexual harassment training, which I assume is just like the mandated sexual harassment training that I take and all you listeners take wherever you work. Extremely helpful. Extremely stupid. And pointless. Um, he did not take it. He had somebody take it for him, which I think, of course, somebody should take it for him. Somebody take it, should take it from me. If you're of any value to your company whatsoever, you should not be wasting a half hour of your time on that freaking nonsense. Uh, apparently, he should have been wasting it, because look what happens when you don't do the, the check in the boxes of bureaucracy, huh? So if he had taken the training, he would have seen that and thought, oh, oh, so you're not supposed to ask the young hottie if she can eat the giant, giant sausage. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well I, for one, would never question our corporate overlords uh, and the wisdom of their training programs. Boy. Don't his interactions seem like they're straight out of the central casting yes. scenarios that are depicted in those yes. very dumb sexual harassment training things we have to do? That is hilarious. Yeah, he's the so over-the-top who yeah. would do it example. Right. That they use to make sure you get the questions right so that you can sign the thing. And then they're Good off point. Like, Positive Sean, well played. Always a gentleman, Positive Sean, by the way, ladies. You know what I'd like to know? What would be interesting, and we probably never know, how many times did he did he run this playbook on uh, women in his orbit and they slept with him? Wow. Five times, 50 times, 500 times in his long, long career as a powerful man? What was his batting average? I, I'd, I'd like d- to see his whole baseball card. I doubt that he was striking out every time like this, but who knows? Yeah, and I truly and what? deeply apologize for oh, it. Oh, listen to that. He's, hey, he's, he's about to break down. <laughs> quit! <laughs> hey, I got so, an idea. Quit! He said there's no way I resign. Now, the top Democrat in the state, the, the attorney general, who is it? Somebody like that. Somebody important in New York. Again, I don't care who's the governor of New York. It makes no difference to me. Uh, one of your top Democrats in New York came out yesterday and said he's got to step down. That was seen as a big deal, but Cuomo said I'm not going to resign, so whatever. I had a weird experience yesterday speaking to the man-woman thing and ethics and sexual harassment and the rest of it, and I'm not sure what I was supposed to do, and I'm not sure. It just it weirded me out. I'll, I'll ask you about that uh, after the break, among other things. And is the queen a racist? We'll continue on that hot story. That is a tongue's wagging all over the world. What? What? Says Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> Hilarious. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Biden to formally establish new gender policy council. I just say, uh, boy, that'll be a whole bunch of people getting a salary for doing nothing. Uh, 
Um, for, for annoying the hell out of us. Uh, we need to get into the Pepe Le Pew controversy. He has been canceled from Space Jam. Uh, as a misogynist, that's the little skunk person. You know, if we're going to lose one cartoon. cartoon character's place, make it that stupid, idiotic Pepe Le Pew. I, always, I never enjoyed that as a kid. I always hated Pepe Le Pew as a kid. If that came on when I was watching Looney Tunes, always hated yeah. it. Those yeah. were the days where you couldn't fast forward. But anyway, uh, the op-ed that was written about him in the New York Times over the weekend is pretty good. We'll talk about that in hour three of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Somebody texted this. I haven't verified it. Adjusted for inflation... The $1.9 trillion spending bill is equal to our entire national debt in 1991, which is not that long ago. Well, I realize it's 30 years ago, but... Our entire national debt or so, budget? The na- says our national debt. So is our, and that's huh. probably about right. Our national debt was probably about a little yeah. less than $2 trillion. Yeah, probably. Wow. That's how so, fast the numbers have grown. Uh, coming up, I want you to you into the camping. You like the outdoor life. I want you to picture uh, spending $61,000 on a tent. That's glamping, my friend. That's glamping. Except it's not. It's bumping. It's uh, per tent for bums in oh, San Francisco. Right, right, right. We'll talk about that. Speaking of spending money, Judy and I went uh, furniture shopping yesterday. Need a little furniture for a guest room. And uh, we stopped in one of those places that, that has like handcrafted American furniture mm-hmm. first. And uh, oh my, I feel like, oh, here's a little drinking game. If you're listening to the podcast later on in the day or whatever, uh, take a drink every time Jack states or implies that I'm a bad person. I really okay? like well-made furniture. I get a kick out of it for some reason. I do too. Handcrafted. Absolutely. But this place, American Handcrafted Furniture, if I were to outfit like a living room, dining room, and bedroom, it cost more than my first house did. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. It's so expensive. And I said to Judy a couple of times, I appreciate it's American-made. I really do. And it's, it's of great quality. And I could hand it down to my kids and the rest of it. But good God, I can't spend this on a, a dining room table. I no, just can't. I said I really like it, and I think it's cool. I don't buy it. <laughs> so then I've got we a went couple to of things like that, but not many. We went to one of the cheapo places, and I felt like, you know, the, 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 we were looking at the bedroom set for our guest room because our furniture in there is just terrible. It's just it's embarrassing. And uh, and uh, some of the cheap stuff, I feel like I could pull it apart like King Kong. Oh, just yeah. Roar, and just to smash it. So that's a little cheap. So we went kind of semi-cheap. So if you ever come to my house and stay in my guest room, no, we just we, we pretty much cheaped out on you. It's, it's not expensive. But we bought a number of things fairly recently that... I think they're designed to be used as furniture, but they seem like they're designed to be staging furniture for a home you're showing to not yes. actually use it for anything. Because you, touch oh god, it. don't open the drawers, don't open. No, them. it's like a movie set. Right, it's it's completely fake. But anyway, so the point of this is, we go to, we finally find uh, like the the most expensive thing in the cheapo store. I figured that was a a, a sweet spot, and uh, we go to check out, and the gal who is doing the paperwork. I'd not run into this before. She had very ample bosoms. Okay. Way to check out the rack on the salesperson, Joe, and with your wife there. Well, she's right there in front of it. Oh, take a drink, everybody. So, um, (laughs) so she's sitting there with a low cut blouse and her enormous bosoms. Oh, my God. Here's the problem. You having a good time, Joe? Here's the problem. She had like a jewel placed. Right between her bosoms, like where you would tuck a pen or lipstick or something, she had a shiny jewel right there. Hmm. 
So why does any woman wear any jewelry? So it's looked at. And so she's got this shiny bauble right between her, 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 her tatas. And I'm thinking, now, because it kept catching my eye. It's shiny. It's sparkly. And I thought, like, ah, ah. That is a decent question. Why would you? Is there a name for that kind of jewelry? Is it called a necklace? Boob bobbles or a boobless? It's a necklace. But but if it's way down actually between your, because I've seen those. They're way down in the cleavage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I've are those designed? Are you supposed to look wild. at them? Or are you supposed to pretend they're not there? And if I, if you don't, if nobody looks at it, then what is the, what is the, what's the point of wearing it? Yeah. I mean, I'm a raving, flaming heterosexual man. I appreciate women on every level. I'd like to think, uh, but I don't want to be a pig. I'm not Andrew Cuomo over here. And so I just, what, what, ladies, if you wear that, what, what do you expect people to do? Stare at your boobs. If you or say least, nice necklace, is that like? But it got nothing to do with her neck. That's true. Um, what do you call like? It's a brooch. Is there a name nice for that? Boob brooch. Text, ma'am? text line four one five two nine five KFC. Nice boob brooch, ma'am. Try that next time, and then you'll have another story for the radio. Very attractive. How does that uh, stay in place? Is that just the uh, just your? Uh, yeah, mm, that's nice. That's great. Very classy. Are you into the Pepe Le Pew controversy and reparations for slavery? Yeah, big conversation. Oh no. Armstrong and Getty.